Awesome. Well, welcome, everybody. So glad to see you. So glad to be with you today. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tim, and I'm the executive director here on staff, so I get to share with you a little bit today. But we do have something special coming up today. I'm not just going to give a 30-minute message. We're going to have a little bit something special, which I'm going to tell you about. Um, But yeah, we're walking through the gospel according to John in this series, looking at the life of Jesus learning more about him, looking at the tools that he offers us to reach our worlds with his love, with his good news. Uh, And today I'm going to walk us through a scripture, provide some insights, but then we're going to hear from three other people on our staff team. Did you know that we have three generations of women leaders on staff here at Christ Center? Did you know that? It's amazing. We have uh, Joyce Williams, our pastor of congregational care, also happens to be my mom, so... Love you, Mom. Uh, We have Stephanie Haney, who's taking on adult discipleship here at Christ Center. Yeah, why not? And we have Kelsey, our students director. Kelsey, very excited to have you uh, sharing this morning as well. That's three generations, three life experiences, three perspectives, and maybe you can relate to one of these three perspectives today. So I'm excited about that. You're going to hear from all three of them, um, because I'm going to invite them up in just a minute. But first, we're going to read through our passage today together. And here's one thing, just one thing I'd like everybody to do. When we read the scripture, one of the things that we want to do is to listen for God's voice to speak to us. I don't know what your spiritual background or status is today, but I believe no matter where you're coming from, no matter who you are, that the Holy Spirit can meet you right here, right now today and wants to speak to you and wants to advance good purpose in your life. Doesn't matter, I would say, even what you think or what you believe, God knows you, and he can meet you where you are, and he always invites us to take one more step towards him. So he can meet you here today. And so I'm going to read the scripture, but I want to ask everybody to do something with me. We're all going to listen for just one word from this passage that sticks out to us today. Just one word. Doesn't have to be particularly profound, but just a word or a sentence in what I'm going to read that speaks to you today, that sticks with you, that for some reason comes to the surface of your heart. And I just want you to hold on to that word because we're going to kind of come back to that in just a minute here. So uh, let me pray for us before we read. Can we pray together one more time? Jesus, we love you. We look to you. You are our model, our example. We want to follow you. We believe there is no problem in life that apprenticeship to you cannot solve. And so we bring our hearts to you. We bring our struggles to you. We bring our burdens to you. And I just thank you, God, that you don't ask us to leave those things at the door, but you ask us to bring them to you. So speak to us now, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's listen together. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God 
and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. To just take a second and think about that word that jumped out to you or that sentence or this part of the passage maybe is speaking to you today. And then I've got a question. It's a very serious question. Has anyone here ever gotten a pedicure before? Pedicure? Yeah? I see a lot of women nodding, and I don't see a lot of men nodding. I think that's pretty typical. My first pedicure in my life, I was 23 years old. Yes, I have gotten a pedicure Yes, and I'm a, ma- I'm a male, sorry, uh, was the week before my wedding, right? Brittany, my wife, uh, wanted my hands to look nice for pictures. Apparently, that's a thing people care about. Asked me to go with her to get a manicure. It's like a good fiance. I agreed to go, and I went to get a manicure, and they said, hey, do you want a pedicure as well? And I was like, a, a pet what? I don't know what that is. And they said, you know, it's where we do your toenails and stuff. And I was like, Sure, why not? And that was uh, the first of many times I embarrassed my wife because I didn't know what that was. And after they explained it, I said yes. And I got to tell you, this is an amazing thing that you can do. You can go to a place and pay somebody to, like, soak your feet and rub it with rocks and, like, salt and sugars and all kinds of potions. It's, It's amazing. It's amazing. But I would say this, that washing your feet... Uh, it's kind of an intimate thing. You know, it's kind of a, a weird thing. Feet are really basic things. They're not pretty. They're not ugly. They're just basic, down to earth. And we all wash our feet regularly, daily. Maybe we don't think about it. We might not think about it, uh, but it's sort of a close personal thing. Stop for a second and think. Just remember today. Did you wash your feet today when you are taking a shower? Did you remember? Or is it kind of like the water just gets it, you know? If you're a parent, think about those early times of washing your baby's feet, washing between someone else's toes. It's kind of intimate, tender. I remember with both my kids when I gave them their first bath, and you see those little feet and you wash them. It's a very close, personal thing. 
And we see all of that, that tenderness here in this moment with Jesus and his disciples. Here in this moment in the Gospel of John, we're at an intersection in the story, right? We've been going through the book of John. It's both a beginning and it's an end. The beginning of the slow buildup to Jesus' crucifixion and then resurrection, as well as the end, the goal of everything Jesus has done so far. Here in this story, we're at an intersection. And I'm going to focus on really the first three lines of this chapter. It's kind of the thesis of what we just read, and there's important things in these three sentences. So in the first sentence, we read about Passover. In Jewish culture, the Passover meal is the time of year when they remember how God delivered them from the subjugation, the slavery to Egypt. And we know by now that when John mentions the Passover, he wants us to understand that Jesus is applying its meaning to himself, that his purpose is to deliver people, not from the rule of Rome, from the rule of sin in their hearts. They were kind of hoping that their Messiah would deliver them from the government, but he wanted to deliver them from the rule of sin in their hearts. And the three times we see him, uh, John mentioned Passover in his, uh, in his gospel, he spoke at Passover of the temple being destroyed and rebuilt, meaning his own body. He fed the crowds at Passover, speaking of feeding people his own body and blood. And now he's back in Jerusalem for the final Passover before his death and resurrection. So second, Jesus' time has come. Not just simply time for Jesus to die, although that's part of it, but it's time for Jesus to show us the way home to the Father. He is going before us into new creation, and Jesus' message is that that new creation and the invitation for us to participate in that starts now. This is a great quote from N.T. Wright. He writes about this passage in particular. We should not make the mistake many have made and suppose that Jesus in this gospel or any of the others simply died and went to heaven. John is clear in chapter 20, verse 17, that after his death, Jesus is raised to new life. Then he meets the disciples, which we're going to hear about at Easter, and then only then goes up to the Father. But it is a complex and completely unexpected sequence of events, the whole thing together, that means he is going to the Father. This is what gives new depth and meaning both to the foot washing and the crucifixion. They are the events which form the ladder from this world to the Father's world. How do we reach the Father's presence? Think about it in your own context. How do we begin to experience God's presence? We don't just come together and sing songs. How do you experience it in your home? How do you experience it in your relationship, maybe with your mom, or maybe with your children, or maybe with your coworker? How do we live into the kingdom of God now one of the steps in those latter, a very important step, is through serving. It's through serving. And we see that modeled by Jesus in this story. And third, the third sentence in the beginning, the opening of this passage, that what is done is a supreme act of love. Do you remember a few weeks ago, Stephanie, Pastor Stephanie, spoke about Jesus as the good shepherd, that he lays down his life for his sheep. And here John shows us that all these things that are about to occur are the perfect demonstration of that truth, that Jesus really is a good shepherd, that Jesus loved them right through to the end. When eating a meal in Jewish culture, this is kind of what happened. The lowliest servants would be the ones that wash your feet when you enter the room. Because 
when they would eat, they would sit at a low table. They would sit on the ground. Their feet would kind of be all up in each other's business. So when you walk into a room to have a meal, there would be a lowly servant, the lowliest of the low there, to use the ceremonial washing to wash your feet, and then you could go sit down with clean feet and not bother, you know, the other people with your dirty feet. Because they were walking in sandals, their feet were dirty, and you just got to imagine these guys walk in, and probably the first thing that they noticed, these disciples, oh, we don't have anyone to wash our feet. And none of them go, you know, Jesus has been talking about serving each other, being the servant, being the greatest of all. None of them think, oh, I should wash my brother's feet, they just go, oh, I guess it's fine. Or maybe they were slightly annoyed. We don't know. But they just walk in and sit down, and they just begin eating the meal. Not one of them thought, I'll do this. I'll wash my brother's feet. You know, I made a play um, just to say a note about this at the beginning of getting a pedicure. But in our culture today, still washing someone's feet, giving a pedicure, it's still considered a pretty lowly job. Mostly done by Asian immigrants. And just a word about that, what happened this past week where a gunman came in, shot and killed spa workers. That type of action, it comes from a twisted mind, and it is important. It's important that we say, as followers of Christ, what that man did is completely anti-Jesus. As modeled in this story that who Jesus relates himself to is a foot washer. Jesus identifies himself with the servants, And so often it can be easy for us, for me, to really identify evil as something out there, somewhere out there that we have to go and battle. And there are times when that is true, but that kind of thinking is not something Jesus ever said or modeled. He always shone the light between good and evil on the inside of the human heart. The line between good and evil runs through every human heart. It runs through yours, and it runs through mine. The battle exists there. And that's why if we want to know and we want to follow Jesus, we have to pay attention to the life and the model and the teaching that he gave. And it starts by looking into our own hearts. Our battle's not with people, not with flesh and blood, not with governments, not with immigrants, not with the other. Our battle lies within our human hearts, and it's a battle to choose love. Jesus actually said, do not resist an evil person. Do you know Jesus said that? Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And here in this story, Jesus gives us a model to follow. The first step in being a student of Jesus is to follow him, to arrange our lives. That's what Steve talked about last week, around observing and learning from him and putting into practice the things that he taught to do them. And in this story, Jesus gives us a model to follow of serving. He says, I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Don't strive to be the greatest. That's what the disciples were always doing, fighting about which one of them would be the most significant, important. Can you relate to that? I know I can. Be the servant, he says. Be like me, he says. The disciples spent so much time quarreling about this. I mean, if we look at the passage from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 8, he says, uh, when they finally got to Capernaum, Jesus asked them, hey, what were you arguing about on the road? Oops. We can just just put a little oops there uh, in in that chapter. The disciples kept quiet because on the way they'd argued among themselves about who was the greatest And understand, this is right after Jesus gave a teaching on denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. They were barely on their way from that teaching when they started saying, so 
Who's the greatest? Who's the most gifted? Who's closest to Jesus? Who gets the most speaking engagements? Who takes the best picture? To which Jesus responded, sitting down, got to sit down for this one. If anyone wants to be great, he must be the very last, the servant of all. And I just submit to you that this teaching is so foreign to our thinking, to our culture, that it will take most of us a lifetime to get it. But I also submit to you that once you get it, you will find life and you will experience the presence of God like you can't otherwise experience. Any person who has to jockey for position, have you ever met someone like this or been someone like this? I know I have. Who feels as though they must assert their power and inflate their reputation, they are most likely weak in character and usually have nothing going for them. Andy Stanley, who's a well-known pastor, uh, has a great quote where he says, anyone who has to pound his fist on the table and say, you listen to me, you do what I say, I'm in charge here, that guy's not in charge of anything. (laughs) The people who are truly together are those who quietly let their work and life speak for itself. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. This is an indispensable part of following Jesus, to serve others, and we see it here. And you can serve too, and I can serve too. In fact, we're going to talk today about joining the team here at Christ Center because we have some really exciting things coming up this year, some ways that we've been talking and praying about reaching others for Christ, making disciples. So we're going to talk about joining the team in just a second. But before we do that, for our last uh, 17 minutes together, 15 minutes, whatever we have, I'm going to invite our panel up. So Joyce, Steph, Kelsey, if you could come up. And could everybody just welcome them with me? Yeah, we're going to put their... Give us a minute here. Awesome. Come on up. There you go. Thanks. This is fun. I was really excited to do this. I've always wanted to see a conversation take place at church uh, rather than necessarily just have a direct address for 30 minutes. So anyway, I'll hand this to you. Uh, Okay, so I've got some questions for you, first of all, would you all just introduce yourself, your name, and say how long you've been a part of Christ Center? Yeah, awesome. Uh, first question is, do any of you have any good foot-washing stories that you might want to share? <laughs> Kelsey's like, I don't have any. Yeah. Huh. What is a foot-washing service? <laughs> Thank you. 
special relationship yeah. to this day. Wow. And what was the significance of that for you? I mean, kind of modeling or following in the model of what Jesus showed here. And there, on yeah. site, at the Jordan yes. River. Yes, yeah. yes. So I think there was just a deeper dimension to it because we knew that Jesus had been there and we were following his example. Yeah. Has there ever been a time where any of you were asked to serve someone, but you didn't really want to do it? I can take that one. <laughs> Stephanie's got <laughs> Okay, let's be real. Um, so uh, when Steve and I got married, we've almost been married for 30 years, um, I came into our marriage kind of having, um, I was six years older than my brother, and so when my mom had my brothers, then I kind of, you know, was doing my own thing. I was very independent. So in some ways, I was kind of like an only child. And then we had a lot going on in our family. So when Steve and I got married, I had not had any real experience with the concept of serving somebody else. I was very selfish. And uh, Steve came in, and his love language is serving people completely. Yeah. I saw him out sweeping the entryway this morning before yes. anyone was here. He's just, he does it. He yeah. just does it. I mean, he, uh, he really, this is a strong suit for Steve. So when we got married, he, he would ask me, he'd be like, hey, could you do this for me? I'd be like, no. I mean, do it yourself, you know, because I had come from a do-it-yourself, you know, and uh, he would just kind of look at me, and I'd look at him, and um, anyway, over our marriage, I tell you, I have learned and watched the beauty of serving other people and just how it, how it connects us and also the joy. Uh, when I do serve with a good heart, I mean, you can do it on the outside without doing it on the inside, <laughs> but when you serve and you truly want to serve and bless somebody else, no greater joy. Yeah. 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 Do you have something, Joyce, you want to share on that? So I came from Steve's kind of background where service was normal. And as a kid, I had told God I was all in. I would do and give anything that he asked. Um, and I married my husband, and we made that agreement together that we would give or do. And if you knew him, he gave away shoes, clothes, cars, golf clubs. One time I came home and he'd sold the bed and we slept on the floor for three months so he could help somebody. Um, and I just figured treasures in heaven, you know. Um, but we went on a mission trip and um, we stayed with the couple. They were self-supporting and lived very meagerly. And I, and I noticed that she um, just had a sweater over her nightgown in the morning because she didn't have a bathrobe. And I had a beautiful bathrobe that my kids had given me for Christmas. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me, you can buy one when you get home. Give her your bathrobe. And it was a gift from my kids. And no, I didn't want to give <laughs> I didn't want to give her my bathrobe that my kids gave me. And so um, I just shut off the voice. We were packed with suitcases standing at the door to say goodbye to the friends when my husband turned to me and said, why, why don't you give your bathrobe to <laughs> And inside, I just froze, and I was mad at him <laughs> for putting me on the spot. And yes, I gave it to her. And then in the car on the way to the airport, I was fuming mad because he'd imposed on, he hadn't asked me, he didn't, you know. And I, and I kind of told God how mad I was. 
And the Lord said, well, I thought you were all in. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, but yes, but that was from my children. And he said, he who loves family or children or whatever more than me is not fit to serve in the kingdom. You made an agreement. It's not his fault. You're dealing with me. And he said, when I give you something, it's yours to hold, but it's not yours to hold on to. Um, and I had to repent, and I had to thank my husband for helping me mm. come to a place of being willing to serve. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay, there was this one time I was in New York City for the first time ever, so I was super excited. And uh, God told me to stop and pray for this guy in the street. Um, he was homeless, and I didn't want to, though. I was like, no, I want to go with my friends. I want to go see Central Park. I want to go do this. And, and I just remember God, like, stopping me, like, twice. And I was like, okay, I'll go pray for this guy. Um, and I did, and I just remember feeling, like, the most peace I've felt in a really long time. So I'm really glad I did do that, even though I didn't want to because I was so caught up in the world, you know? And I would say if any of you have ever served at a restaurant, <laughs> I think you learn really quick how to uh, swallow your pride and who's worked in customer service or who hasn't. So that's a great way to serve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One thing I love about all three of those and really about the story that we see in Jesus is this was something that people did every day, right? Like washing people's feet. It seems kind of iconic and unusual to us because we don't do that. But these stories that you just shared, these are like kind of just everyday circumstances. You meet somebody, you see a need, you're married, and you're like, ah, serving you, what? Or you're just walking down the street. And I think that's a really important part of living out. For all of us, we have opportunities every day that we don't always see or recognize that are opportunities to follow Jesus by just adopting a servant's heart in our context, by serving one another. And it's not always easy. It is hard. It takes time, right? It's that lifetime of learning. So when I read the passage at the beginning, obviously there's so much in this passage that we could unpack, and I sort of just hit on the thesis and the big theme. But I did ask everyone to think about a word or a phrase that really sticks with you today. And so I want to ask you three, what was your word and why? Maybe, Kelsey, we can just start with you. Okay. Um, clean, because Jesus can make us clean. And... Through Jesus, we can be cleaned, and I feel like because of that, he wants us to go out and share that love with others by serving people, so. Yeah, that's a spoke to you. Awesome. And my word was, it says Jesus knew mm. close at the beginning. He knew where he came from. He knew who he was. He knew his purpose. Um, and then at the end, it says he knew, he knew who Judas was, and yet he still served. Yeah. Mm. Um, so my word was new life, and thinking of the word new, you know, we all like new things, new whatever. So Amber and I, in preparation for this yesterday, yeah, went and got our nails done. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And uh, it's only the second time in my life I've done it, but I was paying attention, um, and I was paying attention to just the, I went in with dirty feet. They've only been officially washed. This was the second time. <laughs> and, and I've been to Costa Rica where you get really dirty feet. Um, but it, I left there feeling new, fresh. My feet felt fresh and new. And it was a good feeling. And I think that that's my thing is that if I serve you or you serve me or I serve Steve or Steve serves me, 
all around, it's a good feeling. Yeah. So yeah. that's mine. Yeah, those are, those are great. I want to encourage everybody today, if you came to church with somebody, maybe your family, maybe you came alone, um, wherever you're at today, when you leave or before you leave, would you find somebody and just share the word or the phrase that you feel like God spoke to you today? Maybe that can be on the drive home, maybe it's around lunch, or maybe it's before you leave this room, if you came alone, you can come up and talk to me. I'm going to stand right here afterwards, would love to pray with you. If you want prayer, you can come share it with me. But let's talk about it. This is a part of learning and growing and following Jesus, is that we let these things get into our conversation with others so that we can start to implement new ways of behaving in our context as we follow Jesus. Um, question for the panel, for you three. Thank you again. This is really fun. I'm having fun. Uh, what is one practical thing a person can do to start living out this value of serving others today? And we'll just start with you, Steph, and we can go back. Yeah. Um, so last week I was made aware of a young lady that uh, is pregnant, and she just found out that the baby there's a lot of complications, like really heartbreaking complications. And so um, one of the ways that I'm going to serve this week is just to write a card and uh, try to do a little something for her that would be an encouragement to her during this rough time. So if you know of somebody um, out in the world that is going through a rough time, even just a card or a card in a gift card or a card in a coffee or something, flowers, I think those thoughtful, kind things uh, go so far. So yeah. that's an idea. I think that's a great one. And you know, just to speak to the significance of like a written card in our digital age, it seems like we're so easy to shoot a text or send a, a you know Facebook message or something. But actually taking the time to write a card to somebody is just a really great way to express value and care. Joyce, what about you? can think of a whole bunch. <laughs> um, through our marriage, we made an agreement that we would look for needy people. And so I still do this today, but Paul, is, I have to give him the credit for it, but he would always make sure he had cash in his wallet that was available above and beyond everything else if he saw somebody with a need. And so... I have continued to do that, to just make sure maybe there's a $20 bill or something in my purse that I'm always prepared to give. That's good. Um, I would say one thing that I do now, which Steve Haney did this for me one time. I don't know where he is, but uh, he bought my coffee in line. He was in front of me, and he put money towards my coffee. So now since he's done that act of kindness, now I always do that for whoever is in line behind me. Um, and I feel like words really go really far. So like complimenting someone, like it takes two seconds, like, hey, your earrings are really pretty, or I'm glad you're here today, or your smile's beautiful. Just something simple like that. Yeah, that simple act of affirm affirmation would be really good. Yeah, uh, last question. There may be people here today, maybe you're here today and you feel tired worn out. We talk about serving others and you're like, come on, Tim, I serve all the time. I need me time. Like I need alone time. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe the idea of serving others feels like too much to even think about. Uh, how could you encourage folks today that maybe are feeling that way? So I have a quote for this one and it's a good one. <laughs> 
It says, um, we have not to begin with effort, but faith. We have not to begin with effort, but faith. So maybe God is stirring for you to serve somebody's feet, and you're thinking, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. Uh, God is strong when we are weak, and I think one of the most answered prayers is when we say, God, I want to serve this person, but I am... I just, I can't. My humanity, my body, my flesh is weak. Will you help me? And that is a very answered prayer. Yeah, that's a great place to start. Just the prayer of saying, God, please help. (laughs) Please help me. Yeah. I think part of it is our perspective. Because if we feel put upon, we're burdened instead of privileged, then we have a hard time with our attitude. So looking at serving as a privilege. Can you repeat the question, please? Yeah, how would you encourage people who are feeling exhausted, burnout, like maybe they've been serving um, a lot and they're really tired? Um, I would say it's moments like that when we actually do get up and serve when we're most tired that God will bless us the most. So you should do it. <laughs> yeah, just keep, keep going. Keep on keeping on. Yeah, awesome. Can, can we just thank them for joining us this morning? Can you guys grab your chairs? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Today, I do want to give us all a chance to do this in a really practical way uh, that is going to make a difference in our community. As you heard from Steve earlier, our mission as a church is to reach people for Jesus, especially people who are far from God. Maybe you know people in, at your work or your community or your family. And in fact, in the last month, we've seen five people come to faith in Christ for the first time, which is amazing. And we're going to keep focusing on this mission of reaching people for Jesus. And really it starts uh, by sharing, by inviting people to church, inviting people to join you as you follow Jesus. Uh, But we want to give you a real practical way. We have some exciting things planned this summer, very exciting things that are focused on this, reaching people for Jesus. Uh, And my invitation to you today is for you to consider joining us for the next five months. For the next five months, April through August, I believe we're going to see people come to Christ. We're going to put our energy behind something called Alpha. I don't know if anyone is familiar with Alpha, but it is a fantastic experience that's great for people that maybe have questions about faith or don't know what they think or believe about Jesus, or maybe they've been following Jesus and they just want to go a little bit deeper. Um, But we want to ask you if you would think about committing to serve with us to join the team for the next five months, if you can commit to serve at least two times a month for the next five months. We're going to talk about the details of what those serving opportunities look like uh, with the team that we form today. And so if you want to do that, if you feel like you'd like to take that step to say, hey, I could volunteer for something two times a month for the next five months, you can actually just text the word count me in, all one word, to the number 56525. You could do that right now if you want. It's going to ask you a little bit of information about yourself. But text the word count me in to 56525. Or we've got tables in the side. Joyce, Kelsey, Steph, we're here, and we'd love to talk to you today if you want to come and talk to us and say, hey, I think that I could do that. I'm not sure what it looks like, um, but I'd be willing to talk about maybe serving with the team to reach people for Christ, to make a difference in this community for the next five months. So that's the opportunity uh, before you today. You don't need any specific expertise 
All you need is a heart to reach others for Jesus, and we are going to help you with the rest. We're going to help you with the rest. So come talk to us. Join the team today. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up um, as we reach people with the love of Christ this summer. And as they come up, let's, let's pray together. Let's pray. Jesus, the last words that you said to your followers were go into all the world making disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. And if you do those things, surely I will be with you. And Jesus, we just come before you humbly today and say, that's what we want to do. We want to reach people with your love, with your invitation to new life. And God, our world needs it. We heard about these stories, Lord, of suicide here in our community. God, people need your presence. People need your love. People need your light. And one way that we can do it is by serving others. And I just pray for my friends right now, God, that you would bring to our hearts and minds ways that we can do that. That as we go through our day and opportunities come our way, we would have the presence of mind to recognize those opportunities as an opportunity to follow you. And serving someone else can be as simple, Lord, as just sitting and listening. It can be as simple as offering to pray for somebody. Whatever it is, God, speak to our hearts and give us the courage to just take that step to follow you and to live out that value of being your disciple, a student of your way, Jesus. Thank you. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Why don't you stand back up with us as we close with a song.